Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of On Air with Aaron. Quite a lot happened in the last couple days in the gaming industry, uh, but first off, welcome to October. September felt like it kind of went by pretty quick. I think that has to do with the fact that, at least for me, uh, school started up and I was focused on doing schoolwork and kind of just getting into a, a groove of having classes. Though I have to admit, my schedule this semester is kind of weird because uh, at the time of this recording, Monday, my classes on Monday are from 6 p.m. to basically 9 p.m., though we do get out early, and that's my only Monday class. Tuesday is essentially classes from noon to 4.30 then Wednesday, I have no classes to attend. And then Thursday, I have noon to 115. Then Friday, no classes. So it's kind of weird having this uh, system where I'm not going to class. And then even when I do, it's not during a very specific time. So it gets really funky, I will have to say. But we're hanging in there and we are in the month of October, which means fall is very, very close on us. Leaves are going to start changing. Grass is going to get yellower and the air is hopefully going to get a lot colder and hopefully foggy and overcast. My absolute favorite. It's been a little bit um, misleading over here in NorCal where I am because it, it's gotten really smoky the past couple days because there's another fire that started uh, somewhere. I'm not entirely sure. I think somewhere around like Napa american canyon area so it looks really it's all smoky outside and it's getting down towards the street level but it's really misleading because it looks like when you wake up and you see it looks like it's overcast and foggy and you feel it's gonna be nice and brisk outside and it's gonna you could possibly wear a hoodie but no it's just smoke and it's hot outside so i'm hopefully looking forward to the time where california can get cleared and the smoke can go away and we can start having some really nice and cool weather but uh, before we get into the, the meat of things today, I just wanted to talk about uh, my Twitch and YouTube accounts. We recently have been doing pretty good on those accounts. I'm at 59 followers on Twitch and 138 subscribers on YouTube. I've been doing pretty good. And my most popular YouTube video just hit 10,000 views as of this morning. So really excited about that. Finally have a video that has 10K plus views. It's, it's kind of weird feeling that I have that I have a video that has more views than some of the YouTubers who I watch. It's a, it's a very weird feeling, but uh, I'm definitely glad that people are enjoying my content. But yeah, you can go check me out on Twitch at It's Argon Games, no spaces, and YouTube at Argon Games, space in between Argon and Games. And we're uploading some pretty good stuff. And I'm going to be uploading my my VOD of when I opened up a Darkness Ablaze Pokemon trading card game booster box. So that'll be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed opening that. Pulled some pretty good stuff. I'm holding in my hand one of the, the best pull that I got, which was a Secret Rare Big Parasol Trainer card, which is a gold sort of glittery design and it's a it's a secret rare so that one will definitely be worth something in the next couple years but yeah it was a lot of fun i'll be uploading that vod to youtube sometime whenever i get the time to, to edit but yeah i've been streaming genshin impact which i absolutely love that game i'll probably talk about that in a separate episode but yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun but without further ado let's get into the news in the gaming industry so one of the big ones that I want to talk about first, because it's it's a very, very good one, Minecraft Steve has made his way into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This was sort of a meme in the Smash community for a lot of years, probably really up until, 
well, obviously up until recently, but it started many, many years ago, especially when they started doing the uh, the DLC fighters, like back in uh, Smash 4, some of the big ones. And people were saying, oh, we want Minecraft Steve, because a lot of people like Minecraft. It is the best-selling single game of all time. Technically, Tetris is number one, but that doesn't... But there's, like, arcade games of that. There's different versions and all that stuff. So, technically, Minecraft is the best-selling single game of all time. But people really wanted Steve into Smash, and they felt that a moveset could be adapted fairly well, given that he uses many, many different tools... Uh, and sort of gadgets, if you will, that could translate fairly well into Smash. But uh, prayers have finally been answered, and Minecraft Steve will be arriving as the second DLC fighter in the Fighter Pass 2 on October 13th. Now, it hasn't been released exactly what time Steve is going to come out, but if I'm going to wager, it's going to be probably around the same time as like every other fighter has. Um, and along with that, there's going to be a, a probably very big balance patch. Uh, everyone was really happy, myself included, with the 8.1.0 balance patch that fixed a lot of characters and did some really, really good things. And Sakurai had to mention during the presentation that they had to do a lot of balancing and, and stuff during this production of Steve due to the fact that they had to rework all the stages to put crafting tables to be able to have Steve put down blocks and and all that stuff. So be expecting definitely a very big uh, patch and balance, and I will definitely be streaming that live on October 13th. So come stop by. I'll be playing, testing out Steve with a, with a couple of friends, and it's going to be a really fun time, so definitely come join us for that. But... Uh, Let's talk about how he might perform in the metagame of Smash Ultimate. So, in the presentation, well, rather, in the announcement for Steve, his moveset left a lot to be desired, where we didn't really know what was going on, as do most trailers. He obviously had the TNT explosion, which looked like, you know, just a big, powerful move that exists, but, you know, possibly not super, super uh, good. We saw him flying around with the Elytra, but it wasn't until the presentation that we actually saw how good this character might be. So obviously Steve can place blocks in his native game, but the way that they've implemented that into Smash looks very natural and has obviously been fit for Smash because the items will decay over time, so you can't just put up a iron block and it's there the entire game. But the real the real topic comes from how he can utilize those off stage. Because they showed in the trailer that he has a very low jump height. It's, it's even lower than Little Max. It's, it's, it's honestly laughable. His double jump's okay, but it's really not anything to, uh, to you know, boast about. But his real kicker comes from when he is able to place the blocks in midair recovering. It was shown that he can use, he can place a block in midair, stand on it, and do a smash attack. So you're practically doing a smash attack in the air, which can invalidate certain characters' recoveries. If you thought Little Mac was going to be bad off stage, then good luck getting back with Little Mac uh, with playing against Steve. But this, it, it, a lot of people have had questions about: Do you replenish your double jump when you place? Does a block act as like a platform? Does it act as a part of the stage? Does it act as you know, just sort of a item that's there, like, can you act it? I'm going to assume that you will be able to activate your double jump through that, um, by standing on that platform or on the block, 
purely for the fact that, I mean, you can move on it and do other things with it. You might be even able to wall jump off of it, but these are, again, again things that we don't know because we saw that it can invalidate characters' recoveries. Like, Krom is probably going to have a very, very tough time offstage against Steve. Pikachu might also get kind of cheesed offstage, as we saw in the presentation. And a lot of top players are not expressing concern, but expressing uh, curiosity about this character and just how they're going to perform. Because, of course, when we saw Min Min released, I definitely remember a couple top players and people were saying, wow, Min Min might actually be kind of insane with their offstage game. But of course, as we know, granted, there's no offline tournaments, so no one's really pushing the boundaries. But Min Min is kind of a character that has died off. Not a whole lot of people were playing Min Min a month after she was released, which is kind of sad, but it's come to be expected. Not a whole lot of people that I know played the arms series and I don't see any of the top players like switching over and, and playing arms or anything like that. Um, but I have seen a lot of people playing um, Minecraft as a result of Steve coming in, but yeah, we'll be interested to see how Steve is going to stack up in the competitive metagame. I personally don't want to make any assumptions quite yet, just because I thought Byleth was going to be uh, pretty bad as a DLC fighter for competitive, but as it turns out, I mean, granted, just because MKLeo, um, Byleth has been, you know, a lot of people have been starting to to pick them up. And, you know, Joker, of course, so far, Joker still is the number one DLC spot for competitive play. Um, definitely very oppressive. Terry still has his, uh, his ways up there, but it's really like, you know, if you played um, one of the Shotos, then you're probably going to play Terry because he has a lot of really good kits. But, like, Banjo, don't really see a whole lot. Hero, yeah, you see a lot of heroes just mostly online. Um, you know, same with Byleth. You, you see some, and then Min Min almost exclusively online, though that's all that we have right now. But I'm going to wager that Steve is going to be a character that will have very, very good tools to combat a lot of top-tier characters but might also suffer in a lot of aspects like speed, movement, and possibly damage output. But we're going to have to see how this is going to uh, play out in the overall terms of the competitive meta. Moving on from Smash Ultimate, we have talking about Sony, and specifically the PlayStation 5. So if you've remembered from when I've talked about it, and probably what you've seen on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're keeping up, um, the PS5 pre-order fiasco, I guess I could call it that, has been just that. It's been absolutely ridiculous. There has just been, oh my god, it has been such a pain in the butt. I tried to pre-order one when it was released, and the sites kept crashing. They weren't used to that influx of traffic. Sites kept crashing. It said I had an item in the cart. I even got a notification on my card that my parents were worried about that it had charged uh, $540 for the console, but then it got declined and I never even got to put in my information and get a confirmation saying, Hey, you put in your card to pay for this. So it's just been a big, big fiasco, but Sony has announced that they are going to be canceling certain pre-orders. And this is a very, very big topic because people have been wanting next gen for years and years and years, because there's a new console, a new generation of consoles coming out every seven years and people have been very much looking forward to this with much-anticipated games such as uh, Call of Duty Cold War. We have 
uh, Horizon Zero Dawn 2. We have the Miles Morales Spider-Man. We have GTA 6 coming in within the next five years or so. And it is definitely going to be something that people want to spend their money on. And the pre-orders are getting canceled. So it, it was... It's, it's been a very, very tense topic of discussion because right after the first wave of pre-orders were released, I suppose, Sony actually released a tweet the next day, I want to say. So it was the 17th of September they released this, apologizing to the fans, saying that this is, we know it's been a mess and we're going to be doing a, a new wave of pre-orders coming soon. And I tried to get a pre-order then, but of course sites kept crashing and they were sold out and yada yada. Basically, everything that you can imagine going wrong went wrong. So, they issued this statement shortly after the first batch, and they said it could have gone smoother, which is absolutely true. Uh, and when the second wave of pre-orders came out, people definitely got their hands on them, but you see a lot of issues of people like buying bulk and then uh, you know, scalping and then trying to sell them for thousand dollars eight hundred dollars you even see some people trying to sell a picture of the playstation 5 and you know trying to pass it off as if it's like a actual ps5 which is really really scummy um so definitely try to report people if you if you see that going on um but yeah how will this impact the performance of the PS5 and the overall fan acceptance of the PS5? I'm still going to wager that people are going to absolutely love the PS5 once they get their hands on it. It's kind of one of those things that they're going to complain about it until they get it, and then it's just like, eh, okay, I have it now. Who cares about all the controversy? But definitely for those people, because the big thing that I'm concerned about is I wouldn't necessarily care about the, the whole system being a, a terrible pre-order, if it was for the fact that, you know, they were going to be released on store shelves, like, the day they come out, which is, I think, November 10th or something, November 13th, around that time, I wouldn't necessarily be mad, but they haven't released when these are going to be available for retail, um, unless they did specifically say that they will be in-store shelves on, like, November 10th. But the only reason is I want to start playing Call of Duty Cold War as soon as possible, because, I mean, come on. Modern Warfare has been a lot of fun, but as I've mentioned before, it has a lot of issues. And Cold War, the new waves of beta, actually, you know, switching topics just for a brief second, uh, the beta for Cold War is going to be coming out uh, this week. I believe it comes out, starts. it either starts the 7th or the 8th, I, I, I want to say. So it starts in a couple days at the time of this recording. And people are really excited about that, and the devs came out and said that they have changed a lot of stuff from the alpha. So that might include weapon balances, it might include, uh, you know, time to kills, or anything like that. They don't know yet, haven't looked too much into it, but I just thought I'd bring that up just to kind of support my point. But I really want to play this game once it comes out. Definitely want to stream it, you know, get some people coming by and uh, seeing how the game plays out. But this whole pre-order debacle is really... Uh, really starting to to shake some people up i know myself included and it, it's kind of weird how they're they're canceling some of these pre-orders now the reason they said that they're canceling these pre-orders is because basically the way that i understood it was they announced that they're going to be coming out with a, a limited quantity of ps5s right off the uh, right off the bat um i don't know what exactly that number is so let's just say a hundred thousand i know it's not a hundred thousand but just for the analogy, basically, like, let's say that they said that they were going to be uh, creating 100,000 PS5s, and they tell the stores that they're going to be releasing those, 
but what the stores are doing is they're allowing more pre-orders than stock they're actually going to receive. So if each store is going to be given 10,000 PS5s that they can sell out for a pre-order, they might have they might have promised 20,000 people that they will be getting a PS5. And of course, Sony has not at the moment caught up with that demand and they're saying that uh, some pre-orders need to be canceled. So that's the current state that we are in. Um, of course, as, as it would, um, there will be refunds from what I'm understanding, which is obviously really good. You're going to get your 500, 600, how much ever hundred dollars that you're spending on the pre-order, but it still sucks because it's like, yeah, I still have the money. I didn't lose it, but I want the product. That's the whole point. I put the money in. We're going to have to wait to see how this uh, unfolds and how this develops, I'm sure, though, that PlayStation is really going to understand that there is a huge demand for these new consoles. And I want to say that a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's a lot of really good games that are coming out soon, especially all the PS5 announced Cold War coming out practically the day the PS5 comes out. So I'm just going to wager that Sony's going to up their game. But be on the lookout. Follow Sony on all the social media and even put up tweet notifications to send out to your phone to make sure that... The second they drop a new PS5 pre-orders that you will be able to pick up your own if you haven't already. I know that I'm going to be needing to do that because I want to get that stuff as soon as I can. Last on the list for news in the gaming industry is Twitch Soundtrack Beta. So as you know, as I probably talk about on this show, copyright material is a very big issue in the world of content creation and a lot of that does have to do with you know people stealing content and not giving proper credit or going against the artist's wishes um, such as you know artists on uh, on twitter or on instagram having their art stolen and being reposted on different sites and not being given the proper credit or just having their art blatantly stolen and being used for purposes that they did not give consent to. So copyright is a very, very big issue that's been going on in the world of content creation. But one of the biggest and possibly most controversial ones of the bunch is music copyright. YouTube released this sort of, I don't want to say program, but this uh, widget, if you will, on the YouTube studio app where it's called audio library and it contains a bunch of royalty free music sound bites little quips and whatnot that you can put in all of your videos in any of your videos without worrying that your video is going to get demonetized or copyright struck uh, because it's already been pre-approved through youtube's copyright algorithm system thing so Twitch is announcing their new thing called Soundtrack, and it's in the, the beta right now. And it functions very, very similarly on the surface to the audio library of YouTube. So during live streams, of course, one of the biggest worries that people have, much like on YouTube, is audience retention. It's one thing to get 10,000 viewers on your stream watching, but it's another thing to keep 10,000 viewers as you're watching. And one of the big ways that creators use, or one of the big tools that creators use to keep people interested in their stream the whole time is playing music in the background now of course most of them aren't doing it trying to write it off that it's their own or anything like that but they're just doing it because it helps sort of fill the empty noise when a game is either quiet or when you're playing a game that doesn't necessarily focus on dialogue so you don't need to listen to it all that much um so it's a very big way that creators are attracting people to stay 
on their stream and watch to support. So it's really good that they're coming out with this this uh, new idea because Twitch, I feel, has been a lot more lenient on their copyright stuff. I don't know entirely because much like on YouTube, I'm not making any money off of Twitch yet. I'm actually fairly close. Uh, I'm going to hit affiliate, I hope, by the end of this year. But um, so I haven't had any of my my streams demonetized or copyright striked or anything like that. But uh, I do because there's no way they don't there's no indication that lets you know, like on your VOD, like, hey, this has music on it or whatnot. But YouTube definitely does. It lets you know if this is uh, partially blocked in countries or if there's a copyright claim or if there's anything like that, which is really nice for creators. But uh, Twitch so far, at least for me, it doesn't really have that that much of an issue with the copyright. But it's definitely going to become stricter once you start getting bigger up into Twitch and, uh, you know, lawsuits could come and Twitch doesn't want to fall on the responsibility of that. So they're coming out with this, uh, the soundtrack beta and it's called soundtrack. That's the, that's the whole thing. And there's going to be some pretty big names that are going to be coming along with this idea. There isn't a whole lot that have been announced or confirmed for this, but, uh, two names are Porter Robinson and above and beyond. So you can play, I don't know if it's all of their songs. It's probably not. It's probably select songs that they or the copyright company chooses, but it's, it's songs that are from these artists that people are going to know, and they're going to be able to play them on their stream without worrying about whether they have to, mute certain sections or just remove the song entirely which is really nice for uh for both new content creators so they can get a use they can get a, a a handle on it before they start making money and it's also nice for content creators that um are starting to get big and have had copyright issues on their stream now the only thing that i'm not entirely sure is because i know a lot of streamers do this i myself included will stream and then take their VOD, edit it down and then upload it to YouTube later. I don't know how this is going to work with YouTube because their audio library for the most part, at least as far as I'm aware, doesn't have any mainstream radio songs. It has mostly instrumental songs or songs written specifically for the YouTube audio library and things of that manner. So I don't think that if you're playing a Porter Robinson song on stream, that's not going to get you demonetized. If it will make sure that you're not going to get demonetized on YouTube, it's probably a different feature. But in the future, hopefully if this uh, Twitch soundtrack really kicks off and does really, really well and people love it, then possibly there could form this sort of business deal with Twitch and YouTube to where they have the same songs in the, I guess archives if you will and if you play a song on twitch it won't get you demonetized on either twitch or youtube that could be something in the future though there's been no talks of that as this is only in the beta but i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how seeing how this game not this game how this new idea of twitch soundtrack is going to play out so that's going to be all for the news in the gaming industry for this week um it, it had some had some pretty pretty good stuff i'm definitely looking forward to that twitch soundtrack beta i might test that out on stream see how that how that plays out and what you have to play that through ps5 cancellations i am i'm gonna have to be more on the lookout for that read up on what sony has to say and 
when slash if I'll be able to get my hands on a pre-order PS5. And then, of course, Steve in Smash, which I am very, very much looking forward to. Next, we are going to move on to the segment, Games I've Played While Quarantined. So this one is actually a game that I just finished. I believe it was Friday? No, I think it was Saturday I finished it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Saturday that I finished it. Um, yeah, I just finished it on stream. And the game that I'm talking about today is called Tell Me Why. So, for those of you who don't know, Tell Me Why is a game that was released this year, actually. I believe it was August 27th or 28th or something like that. And it was a three-part narrative story, much like Life is Strange, and it dealt with the idea of transgenderism and uh, sort of overcoming demons of your past. So I say that it's a lot like Life is Strange in in many aspects. Start To kick off with the most obvious one, it's made by the same company that made Life is Strange. Don't nod. And they are a French game-making company. And they created Life is Strange back in 2015, which is one of my favorite games of all time, without a doubt. Um, I say that I am I say that that game is responsible for sort of my change in games that I play and branching out and seeing what new games are in there and definitely sparked my love for indie games. But uh, Life is Strange, as we know, is, is definitely a very, very popular game that most people know of. Uh, and they've come out with a couple sequels to it or other games, such as Life is Strange Before the Storm, which is a prequel to the first Life is Strange game. And then Life is Strange 2, which is a sequel to the first game, but it's not a direct sequel, meaning that it doesn't have the same characters for the most part. It does, but not the main characters. I'm not going to say it just because I can't speak 100% on it because I have not finished Life is Strange 2 yet. Um, but I do know that there are at least a couple characters and a couple character references that are in, uh, in the second game which is really cool. But the game that I'm talking about today, Tell Me Why, is developed by the same company, and it does not have any ties, as far as I'm aware, to the main, like, Life is Strange world or storyline. So, brief summary of the game before we talk about this. You open up the game, and you sort of go back and forth playing between these two characters, Tyler and Allison Ronan. They are brother and sister, and they are going to go and meet each other for the first time in, I think it's 10 years. I want to say it's 10 years. Um, Tyler is a trans man who was born as uh, a female, Ollie, and his sister, Allison, has had quite a lot to overcome in her life. Uh, basically the thing that they open up with is, um, Tyler, when he was, uh, starting to become more comfortable with, uh, understanding that, uh, he was transgender, um, had an incident where he had cut his hair and showed it to the mom and they built it up showing that the mother tried to kill Tyler and they didn't know why. They, they knew nothing about as to why the mother would. And um, in self-defense, we found out that Allison stabbed the mother as they were out on the dock. And the mother 
started bleeding out and then fell into the lake and Tyler and Allison both ran away and the mother died later in the lake um, due to drowning. But it was because of that stab wound why she lost a lot of blood, passed out and fell into the water. So it's a very definitely heavy story. Very, very heavy, heavy story that that started playing out. And they, they lead you right in that basically at the beginning. And b the whole plot really of the game is Tyler got moved out to a place in Alaska called Fireweed. I'm not sure if any of these places are actually real. I know Juneau, Alaska is real, but I don't know if any of these other places are actually real places. And um, Allison is still living in her hometown of Delos Crossing, Alaska. So Tyler is coming back because they are selling the house um, that they grew up in because the mother obviously is dead. And the father, no one knows who the father is. Or at least we don't know who the father is yet. And they come back to the house and they're they're cleaning out a bunch of stuff because they're going to put it up to sell. You meet a couple people that they knew in the past either from from the their time there growing up or new people that they've met along the way. And we come to find out that there was sort of this entanglement with uh with Tyler's mom or Tyler and Allison's mom and a couple of the other townspeople so they go around and they try to find out what exactly was going on and what was wrong with the mother what led her to do what she did and it's a really emotional story packed with choices that matter and one of the coolest things about the game is that it wouldn't be a life is strange game without some ability that the characters have that just seems kind of crazy but is like sort of it makes sense with the narrative and their sort of skill or power is called memories which is pretty self-explanatory but what they can oh no sorry it's called voice so what their voice allows them to do is basically telepathically speak to each other without even you know opening their mouths it's kind of like that whole idea of twins being connected and can hear the other one's thoughts it's it, it's kind of like a play on that whole idea and they can see each other's memories but of course both of them remember things very differently so one of the big choices in the game is choosing whether or not you believe some of allison's memories or tyler's memories and that helps that affects their relationship throughout the game and, and yada yada um but yeah of course without going into too in depth of explaining every single chapter and and everything like that um that's kind of where i'll leave it and that's basically the bare bones summary is tyler's mom it, it was shown that she was going to kill tyler uh as he was coming out as transgender and as he has uh he was starting to identify as a male and um, they come back and they find out more about sort of the history of their mother, her true intentions, what was wrong with her, and basically what was wrong with the entire town that they grew up in. But anyway, that's, that's more of a summary of the game. But now let's get into things that uh, I... I don't want to say like things I liked about the game because I might bring up things that I didn't like about the game. So uh, sort, of, sort of takeaways from this game, if you will. I think that it did a really, really good job of making you actually care about the situations and care about the characters. They presented the whole idea of Tyler, of course, being a, a trans man, but doing it in such a way that it really makes you it really makes you think 
about how they're how they're presenting it in the story. I can't really find the right words to to describe it, but I don't want, I don't want to say like realistic, but I mean the graphics were really good, so they, the people looked like people. Um, but it, it was a very serious issue that they they brought light on, and it wasn't it, they they presented the idea of of transgenderism as it, it's looked at um, at first with the whole thing of the mother trying to kill Tyler as sort of criminal as in like they were doing something wrong i'm not saying the game is painting it that way but i'm saying like the game is painting the way that the mother is seeing it as like it's criminal so of course tyler's living with that his his whole life is 10 years away in uh in fireweed and that's it's sort of just haunting him and just he keeps seeing that that memory and that thought and it really impacts and shapes how he how he grows and the people that he comes into contact with and how he doesn't really trust anyone. So they they sort of made his um his rationale seem very understandable. Like, yeah, I am the way that I am today because my mother literally held a gun to my head and said I'm going to kill you. So it definitely approaches it in a in a very a very scary, down-to-earth, and unbelievable way. I'm not saying it's unbelievable in the sake of, like, yeah, that couldn't happen, but it's just, like, I can't believe that that happened um, in such, a, in such a, like, a, a huge way. So I think that they presented that whole idea of, of Tyler being trans in a very, a very emotional, emotional way. And I think that definitely speaks volume because of... Um, it sort sort of sheds light on the way that um, transgender people in the world view what is going on, because not, of course, everyone, at least to my knowledge, um, not everyone has dealt with that um, as a transgender person. But it's not something to scoff off, saying, "Oh, well, they haven't dealt with this, so it's not anything." But it is a very, very big issue, and I think they did a very good job of implementing that idea into the game. They wrote Allison in a very interesting way as well, to where they love their brother. They were basically the first person to support um, Ollie at the time coming out and realizing they were they were Tyler now in the future. Um, Allison was always there for um, her sister and her brother. It didn't matter which form. I shouldn't say it like that. Um, it didn't matter which um, which personality they they took and which person they decided to identify as allison was always going to be there for her sibling and that was really really impactful because it showed this this whole idea of just a a, a bond a, a sibling bond that can't be broken and even though it was wavered many times throughout the game all deep down every single time that she was going through that Allison was going through turmoil or struggle or literally having panic attacks. It was related to the fact that she felt that she wasn't doing what she could to help Tyler in the situation. Um, and also having inner conflicts about what does she even think is true and what does she think is, uh, is actually right. What does she think is wrong? And there's a scene in the third chapter, like when it opens up, where she just sees all these visions about all the people in her life just telling her that, you know, she's wrong, she's bad, and she's doing everything just 
just incorrectly and it really really gets to her and tyler of course is one of the people that's prevalent in that um you know saying things that she doesn't want to hear like you're you're not supporting me you're not there for me and it just it breaks her it, it physically hurts her she has a panic attack and she actually had to open up this app on her phone to like where you have to interact with it when you're playing and you have to press a button and you have to like inhale and then you have to it's kind of like you have to keep a ring inside of this uh this circle and uh you have to do it slowly and slowly to make sure that it stays in there so it's kind of like teaching uh the app is sort of helping her calm down sort of like controlling your breaths in a way um like how the whole paper bag idea is when people are hyperventilating um so they wrote her character very well there were definitely some things that were kind of weird in a way because the whole thing was um uh allison i almost forgot her name i almost called her marianne but that's that's the mother's name uh, but Allison, of course, was the one who stabbed the mother and had her fall through the uh, or fall into the dock. And it uh, it really it really screwed with her. But Tyler was the one who took the blame for it because he wanted to uh, he didn't want Allison to to take the fall or anything like that. So when investigated by the police, they went along with the story that Tyler was the one who killed the mother out of self-defense. So it was, it was a very more, it was a more believable cause to understand. And of course that ate away at her with, with her, her, her life really, because she knew the truth behind it and she couldn't live with it anymore. And they really, they really wrote that whole idea very well, and it, it led to her having sort of a big resolution at the very end of the game, which really spoke, which really spoke numbers. I also think they handled a lot of issues with the the people that they came into contact with very well. I felt that in, in a way. It was a little, I don't want to say it was, it was unbelievable just because I don't know the inner politics of Alaska, but the way that they built it up is one of the closest family friends, Sam, I thought was very, very well written. And when Tyler is first coming back to the home, Sam would watch the home a lot, even when uh, the mother was still alive and he came back to the house one day when Tyler and Allison were there, but Allison was like upstairs and Tyler was down there and Sam had never seen Tyler before. So he held a gun up to Tyler and said, who the heck are you get out of the house? And he's like, Whoa, what, what? And then Allison came down and said, this is, you know, Tyler, as you would know, it's Ollie. So he said, what? So he was a little, I guess you could say restricted, or what not to, to believe it. He kind of he kind of brushed it off saying, what the heck? You know, you look like a guy, but you ain't a guy. And, you know, kind of played it off as like the typical, uh, yeah, he's the sort of the, the country dude that doesn't really understand it and is kind of kind of rude about it and says the wrong things. But Sam ended up having this this moment where he he apologized and he said, 
you know what, I'm I'm really sorry. And he always, throughout the rest of the game, referred to Tyler as a man. Never slipped up, never uh, never said girl, I mean boy, or anything like that. And then the, the next scene after that where we see Sam, he even tells Tyler that he, he spent the day yesterday Googling and looking up all the different terms and all the words. And he said it was confusing as heck and he didn't really understand it all, but he's trying. And I think that right there was possibly one of the best moments in the game other than the mainline story stuff because it was in my opinion the best possible way that they could have introduced that because making it 100% like he knew what to refer to Tyler as right off the bat seems a little unbelievable given sort of the the area and the type of person they built Sam up to be it would seem a little unbelievable if he was just right off the bat. Oh yeah, okay, cool, cool. There was a little confusion and kind of a little, huh? I don't, I don't get this. Um, but it wasn't like a, you know, cursing at him and saying, you know, you're unholy or you're an abomination or anything like that. They wrote it in a very, a very heartwarming way where he was confused at the start and didn't really understand it and was kind of like, what the heck? I knew you your entire life as this person and now you're a different person. But Sam realized it's the same person. And uh, they they apologized and kind of just understood and, and even took the time to say, hey, I'm going to learn this because I don't know it. And I, I spent the day looking up this stuff. And I thought that was possibly the best way that they could have handled that. And I really loved that writing because it, it showed it showed what people who aren't aware of it and aren't I don't want to say comfortable, but aren't uh, informed with it should be doing. Um, especially if it's someone that is, is close to them, much how Tyler is to Sam. It's something that they should be doing because it's one of those things that it's like, you are not going to change the person that they want to be. The only thing that you can do is now come to accept it and understand it. And I thought that was really powerful. And especially when they came into town and uh, talked to some other people. Um because one of the whole things was there was a uh, there was a character who was super involved in the church, and she even handed this pamphlet to um, Tyler and Allison's mother talking about... I think it was basically like conversion therapy <laughs> in a way. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was specifically that, though it might have been. But it was basically kind of like, you know, trying to understand like, God's will through, like, this idea and whatnot. And it was... It definitely came off as the, hey, I'm trying to, you know convert you or something like that um and that part was definitely very uncomfortable but you come to you come to understand that uh you know some of the characters were a bit more understanding and lovable and loving to tyler and allison and were way more supportive than tyler had initially assumed that they were and of course just like any telltale style or life is strange game your choices are going to have an impact. So you could absolutely choose to make Tyler hate everyone in the hometown, not forgive anyone and, um, you know, not do anything like that. And that would craft your own story and, and, and change things. But the route that I took, I, I chose to forgive, uh, most of the people just cause it, it felt, it felt that that was what the game wanted you to do. The game wasn't trying to tell you, yeah, hate everyone and 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 never let people grow from their mistakes. Cause like I brought up before with Sam, he he made a mistake of of misgendering and uh, misunderstanding the situation, but he took the time to understand that 
you know, these are changing times and I was in the wrong. I apologize. I'm going to be better. So if not given the opportunity to grow, then things would have played out completely differently. So I think that was one of the biggest things in the game was, was change and, uh, and moving on from the person that you once were. And I think they achieved that in a lot of different ways with, with Sam understanding the situation Tyler's in with Tyler literally transitioning from female to male from Allison transitioning into someone who's kind of a little bit scared and a little bit regretful into someone who's more confident and uh i don't want to say a bit more headstrong because she was always headstrong it's just that she always had that guilt just sort of bottled up in her head and a lot of the characters do experience this growth and this change and it, it definitely it was definitely very very good i don't really have any huge gripes with this game um the only thing, like, narratively, I thought it was kind of weird how, uh, um, like, some of the memories played out and the whole thing with, you know, of course, spoiler alert, if you're even listening this far in, if you haven't played the game, um, your father, like, your actual biological father is the, uh, is the husband of the woman who was the super religious one that was giving the pamphlet and blah, blah. All that stuff. The guy who's running for mayor and owns the store, like the convenience store where Allison works at, and his name is Tom Vecchi. That is who your biological father is. I felt that that one was kind of just like, wait, what? It felt very out of place, though it did make sense and it helps you understand like uh, Marianne's motivations and Tessa's sort of reluctance with helping, but also kind of having this attitude about it. Um, it helps build up some of the characters. Uh, but I do feel that that should have been something that was explored. Cause Sam didn't even know. And Sam was really close to Marianne. Like, Sam didn't know who the father was. Um, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and I just feel that that part was written fine. But it, it, it just felt, in my opinion, like it was a... Oh, yeah, we need to write who the father was. Alright, well, it was Tom. Uh, he's one of the only dudes that we've seen that um, hasn't already been confirmed that they are not his, their father. Um, but it also did work out because the whole story, um, also going into transitioning to another positive thing, with the whole stories about the crafty goblins and the and the beautiful princess, that was, I think, one of the shining, shining moments of this game, where it's the mother wrote all these elaborate stories that basically described her entire life growing up but using these fictitious fantasy characters that the kids were gonna be able to understand i thought that was amazing especially towards the end of the game when you find out all of these truths about the mother's backstory and all the things that she came from I thought that was really good when you're going through and you're you're reading all the stories that she put up in the, the attic of the barn and all that stuff. It was, oh, it was so good. So, so good. And the whole ideas of all the characters were already preset into that world. 
it was lovely. It was it was really good, and it made for a really nice sort of gameplay narrative mix because you had a lot of gameplay mechanics. Like you had to go and you had to understand. You had to open up these little boxes, and yeah, it's not like technical. You don't have to spend forty hours a week trying to practice the technical skill for opening up the boxes. You just press A, but it felt natural in the uh, in the context of the gameplay. And I liked that because people dog on these games all the time for not having, you know, crazy. Oh, they're not games. They're movies that you press buttons to. And it's like, to an extent, I do agree with that. But I also think there is something to be said about these types of games. Um, and I I certainly loved it. Um, I th- I don't think the, co- the story could have been much longer, to be completely honest. I just feel that they could have established some things maybe a bit earlier on. Um because uh for an example when they brought up the whole thing with um you know them remembering the night differently because as it turns out one of the options that you have to choose was that you know the mother wasn't trying to kill tyler for being transgender in fact the mother wasn't even trying to kill tyler the mother was trying to kill tom because he came to the he came to the house and basically was doing all this stuff and angered her. So she grabbed her shotgun and, you know, tried to go back out to the pier and, you know, go and kill Tom where he came on his boat. And Tyler just happened to be on the pier and the mother was walking towards him with the shotgun. And the kids were remembering the, I'm going to kill you. They were remembering that from what she had said to Tom before grabbing the shotgun. So it's like, wait, okay, wouldn't that be something that you'd at least bring up saying like, wait, this might have gone completely differently if this entire thing played out completely differently. It sort of made the whole memory aspect feel a little kind of weird in that. And also, I I get that, you know, you absolutely hate, you would absolutely hate Tom if you were were married to him in the situation that you have. But like, look, if you see your child is backing up on the pier and you're holding a shotgun as a sensible person, wouldn't it make sense to just throw the shotgun like in the water at least? I mean, she drowned. So it's not like the lake was frozen over yet. So I just, I think that that was one of the weirdest parts about the entire game was, uh, why didn't she throw the shotgun? Why didn't she drop it? Because she said it's not what it looks like. But why didn't she throw the shotgun? Why didn't she drop it? Why didn't she place it back in the forest? Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand that. That part seemed a little weird. Maybe I misunderstood something in the game. But like, I know why they did it. Because it's like they had to do it to write in like, oh, well, she did approach you with a shotgun. But you know, was she saying it's okay? I'm not going to hurt you, or I'm going to kill you. Makes sense that way. But. uh yeah, that aspect was just a little bit funky to me in like the sort of the uh, the overall narrative of the story because, I, yeah, I don't know. But they made a whole deal the point to say that Marianne was unhinged. You know, she was just kind of crazy. Uh, so I guess that does sort of uh, justify what she was doing in the sake of the story. Not saying like IRL, but it does justify that she, uh, you know, was crazy. So she might not have thought about gun safety. Uh, when she was approaching her literal child with a gun. But, uh, but yeah, overall, I thought this game was uh, very, very important and very impactful. Um, I really hope to see in the, the Game Awards sometime, which, by the way, of course, the Game the game Awards were confirmed to be happening this year. I hope that for the section, uh, you know, Games for Impact, that 
Tell Me Why is going to be considered up there for one of the higher ones. Though I don't know exactly how games that come out... Actually, no, it came out in August. It'll be fine. Um, I hope that this game will be uh, nominated for one of those games. I will absolutely put my vote in there because... Uh, Ah, I love this game. It's very, very good. Definitely not a game that has, like, replayability unless you want to see all the different endings and the different choices and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I still think that it had a very, very good story with great characters. I think Michael was one of the best characters also. By the way, Michael is a... Uh, I believe that they confirmed that he was gay. I'm not too sure, though. Um, he might actually be... No, he might actually be pansexual, bisexual... I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to wager more of a pansexual, um, personally, uh, but was a friend of Allison's who works at the, the store with her, who ends up, at least the route that I chose, um, getting into a relationship with Tyler. And they wrote it very, very sweet, very well. It was, it was heartwarming, to say the least. Um, but he was one of my favorite characters. Sam as well. Um, and I just thought they did a lot of really, really good things with, uh, with that, but overall really, really liked this game. And it's, it's definitely a game that, uh, that does have a lot of impact and is a very significant game, especially within the past couple of years. But, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed this one. Well, that's going to be all for this week's episode of on air with Aaron. Thank you guys all for tuning in and stopping by. And as I've mentioned many times before, you can come check me out on Twitter at ArgonGamesYT. Check me out on Twitch. Come and follow and support at It's Argon Games. And come by and subscribe. View a couple of my videos on YouTube at Argon Games with a space in between Argon and Games. I'm going to try posting to YouTube more, but streaming is kind of where I've been, uh, where I've been finding most of my, uh, my time going just because I can kind of put it up and then put it down and don't really have to think about it unless I want to make clips. Um, I've been playing a lot of Genshin Impact recently, and I just finished my OBS settings to where my stream shouldn't be lagging unless my internet connection is ab absolutely terrible that day. But I, I really have been loving playing that game, so definitely come come stop by. I will be playing that game and then be playing a couple more games in the future once they are released. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. Thank you guys all for stopping by, and I will see you in the next episode.